Welcome to Bible Chicks, women who are normally just as is, but we're at our supernatural best when we choose to read, believe, and live out God's Word, whatever's going on in our lives. So get ready to laugh with us and be blessed as you hear our unique stories and inspiring music. Thanks for joining us. It's going to be good. Reading, believing, living His Word. Praying, never receiving all the truth that we've heard. Loving and growing and hoping our faith is showing. Don't you know we're Bible chicks? Hi, I'm Carol Brewer, and welcome to another program where we're excited to share our stories as Bible chicks. We're imperfect women. We certainly don't get it right every day, but we trust our Lord, and I'm grateful that we can come back to Him for His strength, His power, His mercy, and grace in our lives, and that's who we are. I'm going to start a song today that I wrote a few years back while shopping. I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but you know, I was shopping, window shopping, and looking at all these different things. And then I realized, you know, it's really God's grace, His unmerited love. It's absolutely free. I like those simple words like, yes, I do. I believe in you. They come with a guarantee. You know, it's been prepaid for you and me. Following you for the rest of my days Ah, sweet simplicity And his gift is positively free Try How hard we do try To reach for the sky Doing all those good things There's no denying that There's no justifying in words just not God's design We should study that line Let me see, what is it? Oh yes, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 That's why I'm telling you I like those simple words Like, yes I do I believe in you They come with a guarantee You know it's been prepaid For you and me Following you for the rest of my days Her sweet simplicity And his gift is positively free Run Oh, how hard we do run And we've hardly begun To earn our share of credit Constantly stumbling But it certainly is humbling to know Open the door That's what real friends are for Well, I read about it in Romans chapter 3 Verses 23 and 24 And so I'm telling you I like those simple words Like, yes, I do I believe in you They come with a guarantee And all has been prepaid For you and me of my days has sweet simplicity and his gift is positively his gift is 
absolutely His gift is unmistakably free No charge No charge, that's for certain So I hope that you found his free, unmerited love It's that free gift My guest today, Heather Murdoch Has found that free, unmerited love That gift in her life And we are thrilled that she is with us Welcome, Heather And it's great to have you here Carol, thank you so much for having me. I'm just thrilled to be with you today. That's great. Well, you know, uh, with your busy schedule, you are able to carve out some time to come and be a part of our Bible Chicks group and be able to share what God's done in your life. You're a beautiful person inside and out, and I'm so glad you were able to come join us again. Tell us, you know, we'll just get right into it because looking at you, oh, everything looks just great, and boy, well, it is great now, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. But we're going to tell a little bit about the before and and your journey and how you happen to get to be in such a great place today. So in the beginning, oh my goodness, I did the same thing where we go back to the beginning in our childhood, but in a nutshell, give us that the bad news or the hard, the hard stuff that you had to go through, okay? Yes, well, I was uh, raised um, in a home that we didn't know Christ. Uh, there was there was no uh, God in my home in terms of Jesus. Uh, my parents were, um, I always say, you know, my parents were hippies. My mom cringes at that word, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't really know a better word to use, but they were very unconventional. They were a product of the 60s. They lived off the land. They were kind of, um, you know, uh, went through that flower child period. And uh, so we... Peace. Peace and love. Peace and love, that's right. <laughs> and so we moved up from Southern, Southern California to Northern California. And uh, my parents bought some acreage, 40 acres, with no electricity on it, no running water, no home. <laughs> my father was determined to, you know, start from scratch. And uh, so I, I guess that was an adventure to an extent. We actually lived kind in Kind of a, in the wrong um, century, maybe. Would have done really yeah. great in the Oklahoma land rush. The pioneer days, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yes, we actually had... you. Not believe this, Carol, but we had no running water, no electricity, no indoor plumbing. Um, my mom and they were very proud of this. They, we actually lived in a teepee. My mom sewed the teepee by hand, and she was very proud of that. We lived in a school bus that was converted to a to a motor home. We lived in RVs, campers. We just kind of, like I said, lived off the land, and, and it was really their response. You know, just not wanting to be conventional, right? Exactly. It was, it was kind of like, I'm just turning my whole back on the on the world and, uh, you know, what culture is today, and I'm just going to go back or do something different than what the conventions were, I suppose. Is that what you would say? Yeah, absolutely. Were, mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, they had their own hurts from their past, and I, don't, I won't get into all that now, but they were both struggling against issues from their childhood, and so the way they responded to that was by just doing it their own way. And um, as a result of their childhood issues, my father, unfortunately, had a lot of anger, and uh, he actually had a, an alcohol problem. And so, um, and my mom was always a woman that uh, was a a perfectionist and um, I can do this and I'm going to make this happen. So she she just kind of morphed her life around my father's uh, issues, just trying to make it work. And you know, perfectionism really, you know, a lot of it is so much control. We just got to hang on to it. It's my pain. It's my problem, but I'm going to hang on to it. It's, it's really, a lot of it is control. And I understand being a former perfectionist myself. So Me too. And that's actually generationally, that runs mm-hmm. in our family with the women especially. Mm-hmm. And so my grandmother was a perfectionist as my mother, then I also became a perfectionist. Um, but the reason why I did is because because of the things that were happening at home, the darkness at home, and the way we lived so, uh, we were so isolated, there were no neighbors around or anything. So, you know, it just felt like we were so alone and there was a lot of sadness. I don't remember, you know, 
of course, there were happy moments, but overall, um, it was I struggled a lot. Did it you have was, any animals? We had pets, yes, okay. dogs and cats. And aren't they <laughs> I love so those. comforting? Yes. Yes. You know, they just Absolutely. love us unconditionally. And Absolutely, so yes. precious. Yes. Yeah. And I had my sister. She was four and a half years younger than me, and uh, so there was a, there was a four of us, and we just did our the, the best that we could through the circumstances. Um, and you mentioned, you know, your mom trying to hold the house together, and 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 but she was pretty afraid of your dad, wasn't she? <clears throat> yes, she was. Um, she tried to stay on my dad's good side most of the time and uh, wasn't very successful at that because he had quite, quite a temper. So we just learned how to walk on eggshells. Mm -hmm. We learned how to um, how to just, you know, do everything we could so that the temper would not erupt. Yeah. Um, and because of the things that I witnessed between my parents, um, I early on learned how to be a people pleaser and a fixer and just try and make everyone happy. And uh, that became my role in the family, essentially, yeah. where I was the peacemaker, right? The, the peacekeeper, I should say. And, whatever um, you whatever you could do yeah, to fix it or exactly. to make it right or just keep everything kind of even keeled and keep those tempers uh, simmering and yeah. not uh, blowing up and all. I understand. Absolutely. And then at school, you know, um, because I was a very homely child, I was very uh, self-conscious and shy. And we were poor, so I wore the hand-me-downs. And I was that kid, that kid that gets picked on quite a bit. And so there was no um, relief from just difficulties. And at school, it was hard. At home, it was hard. And so that's, you know, I grew up just uh, really thinking if only I was pretty, I would be accepted. Mm -hmm. If only I was, we had money, um, I would be loved. If only I, if only we had a different family, if only I came from a normal family, my life would be okay. I, I lived in a lot of if onlys. I lived in my head a lot to escape the reality, um, kind of creating fantasy life in my, in my mind just to escape the reality of things. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, um, sometimes God will bring someone into our life uh, that gives a, a different message than the one you're hearing all the time in your home. And in that case, it was your grandfather. Well, actually, my grandparents, yes, uh -huh. my grandmother, my dad's mother, they were Christian. And uh, so my dad forbid us to go to church because he had a very kind of twisted sense of who Jesus was. So he forbid us to go to church. My grandmother would sneak us sometimes. And at night, my grandmother would sing um, Jesus Loves Me uh, to me at night mm -hmm. and pray over us. And mm -hmm. so those were my little exposures to Jesus growing up. So I did believe that there was a God. But I, just, I didn't know Jesus. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yes, it does, yeah. because that's precisely the way it was with me as well. Yeah. You know, you get little inklings here and there. I said, for me, it was the old movies, and that was my only exposure to the Bible or to, you know, just watching uh, the Ten Commandments and Ben-Hur. and Yeah, exactly. <laughs> me too. Absolutely. So, that was it. That was my whole exposure to uh, the truth of God's Word or just through um, Cecil B. DeMille. Yeah. <laughs> His exactly. interpretation. Exactly. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yes. And so you know, you as you were getting older and then going, getting ready for high school, you started to blossom and get pretty, and people were noticing you. and And how is that changing your, I don't know, self? image. Well, as I said before, I always yearned to be pretty and I didn't feel pretty. I felt worthless, you know, as a child. And so all of a sudden I get into high school and now I'm blossoming, quote unquote, and I'm getting attention from the older boys. <clears throat> Pardon me. From the older boys too, you know. So you know, you probably looked a little more mature for your age. You're taller. That that helps. I'm short. I never had that problem <laughs> of 
anybody thinking I was more older than I was, I, even in my 20s, they thought I was younger than I was. You know, they didn't even know I was 21 or anything, you know. So when you're taller, you do kind of a command a presence. And mm-hmm. so that can be a, definitely an advantage. Well, I loved it. I mean, mm-hmm. seriously, it's like, this is a dream come true. I'm finally getting attention. People are saying I'm pretty. And it really, what it did, Carol, is it, is it confirmed the, the lie that, it's my looks that makes me accepted. Mm-hmm. And that's such a lie. But I really believe that I bought into that hook, line, and sinker that um, now I'm pretty, now people love me. Mm-hmm. And so I became really focused on my external. I became really focused on being physically perfect. Well, it was working for you. You know, exactly. because you were getting that kind of attention. And just think of all the women and girls where they look back to their high school days and they don't have access to makeup or clothes. And, you know, it doesn't even have to be really expensive clothes. It can be still out of a thrift store, but you can put them together and make them look great. But if you don't have those skills and you don't have a mom or sisters that are supporting you and showing you how and what and where to put the, you know, on your makeup and different things, then, you know, you just feel ugly. You really do, you know, you know or it, or or you, again, I guess, um, to the point where you don't think that's really important. You tell yourself, oh, I don't need that. or And then you'll just go the other way and go and start wearing army fatigues or yeah, something. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, because Give up on it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is a struggle for women because mm-hmm. there is that huge expectation and... With all the shows now, I mean, it's there, my goodness. Oh, yes. The culture tells us we have to be physically perfect and look like the ma- girls in the magazines, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, so getting that um, affirmation through high school, I, you know, I kind of went off the deep end. I, I um, you know, partied and all those things in high school that I pray that uh, my children never, ha- my daughter never has to go through that. But uh, anyway, so, uh, unfortunately, um in my junior, no, my senior year of high school, I was exposed to the concept of bulimia. A friend of mine, we, her and I were both going to be in a pageant, a local pageant, and we, um, she said something about how she was losing weight. She was uh, throwing up to lose weight. And I've always been thin, you know, but when you're a perfectionist and you're kind of delusional in that respect, you you just, yeah. you, perfect is never perfect enough. Well, right? if, you're, if your full length mirror isn't accurate, you know, it could be actually making you look more pounds, get, put more pounds on you, kind of like a trick mirror or, yeah. you know, you want to get one of those mirrors that kind of makes you Elongates look thinner. You. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I had such a twisted body image. Mm-hmm. I, I looked in the mirror and I didn't see thin, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I was just... Thin is never thin enough. Exactly. So I just thought, well, that's a great idea. Just to lose a few extra pounds. I had to be in a bathing suit in front of people. You know, hey, why not? So I experimented with purging. Mm -hmm. um, And... What what started as an experiment became a habit. Okay, so purging, you know, let's just throwing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just getting rid of the food in your stomach, and yeah, you're, exactly. You know, right. It's very, and of course, from coming from a young woman who already carried shame and guilt from just things that happened as a child, that only exacerbated the shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. It just became such a heavy weight around me. I had this dirty secret, and I felt dirty, and I felt like a liar and a pretender and a faker. You know, well, it became a habit and a you know yeah, obsession, an obsession, and, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's obsessions are pretty hard to break. Yes, and actually, I don't know if you know this, Carol. 
Carol, but um, eating disorders are categorized as mental disorders. Yes, uh there's right, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right, and and a lot of those out there, that's for sure, those disorders, and you know, it's just from habits and a mental state where you talk yourself into what what you're doing you think is the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. and that becomes your truth. Exactly. That becomes the thing that you believe. Exactly. And it's pretty hard to break it. It is. And I think so many women and young men actually struggle with eating disorders too. Sure. They do. And then you went on, uh, you know, you were really through this purging. You were really purging your pain. Isn't that really the bottom line? That was the bottom line. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had no coping skills, you know, um, and so that was the way I purged my pain. It's an interesting metaphor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and then you were in control. It was life on your own terms that you were doing. You were, uh, you said you called it the perfect storm. Yeah. Well, yes, exactly. Because, you know, when you have a young girl who, who has these issues and then all of a sudden she blossoms and I had this aspirations to go to Hollywood. I ended up going to Hollywood. Hollywood, I mean, you know, not to be critical, there's a lot of great things happening there, but it's also a place that welcomes young broken women who with stars in their eyes Mm -hmm. (laughs) to come and get famous. You know, it's like that love I always yearned for. I thought I'd find in that fame. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then you went to New York too, which is a different environment than Hollywood. But still, all about the business and, uh, you know, just that fame, that pursuit of fame and a tough, tough world to battle to try to break into. Well, I mean, I guess the bottom line for me, Carol, is I realize now that all that time, really, I was performing for love. Mm-hmm. That's that's the whole story right there, Isn't is it? I just had a lack of love. And I just want to say, you know, my mom and dad, they did the best they could. And there were definitely good times. But there was so much chaos at home mm-hmm. that, um, that it just really uh, distorted what I thought love was. So dysfunctional, you know, it's just uh, that overused word. Oh, my goodness. But you know what it means is that from for a model home, whatever that is. I don't think there really is. That? Yeah, exactly. Really. I know. But we have this sort of idea, this pie in the sky idea of what it would be like. And we just know on a daily basis that and I, boy, I sure looked at other families that were doing great, and I would think, you know, I, they seem to do great. Yes. And I would think, oh, you know, it would be so wonderful to be in a house like that or a home like that, you know, uh, just because we were having struggles in my home uh, as well as I was growing up. So I'm, I'm relating to some of the things you're saying. But then, you know, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Yes, yes <laughs> right? absolutely. And uh, you had, you found an older guy that uh, showed you love, and um, so you grabbed onto that, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely had father issues. I was definitely looking for that father figure in my relationship. So I had quite a few older boyfriends. Yes. And the one I went to New York with was quite a bit older. He was, you know, in his late 40s and I was, what, 21, 22. And, um, but uh, yeah, he promised me, you know, that uh, we'd have a great time in New York. And I kind of got into the fast lane. Honestly, Carol, I was really running is what Mm -hmm. it boils down to. You know, I convinced myself that I wanted to have a good time and experience life on my terms. But really what it was is I was running from my past, running from the pain. I just didn't know how to deal with it. And so for me, it was just so much easier to run away. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to break right now. And and when we come back, I'm so excited to hear how that running turned to an entirely new direction. I'm excited to hear about who you ran into and what a difference that has made in your life. 
Singer-songwriter Carol Brewer reflects lasting expressions of God's love through her beautiful music and inspiring writing. Audiences connect with both Carol's contemporary and traditional songs of worship and praise. She also teaches others to sing God's praises through her popular voice training book, Cooking Up a Song. Pick up Carol's music and books today at Amazon.com, iTunes, and BibleChicks.com. Reading, believing, living His Word. Don't you know we're Bible Chicks? Welcome back to Bible Chicks. We are so blessed to have Heather Murdoch with us today. What an incredible story, difficult journey for us to even think about, you know. So, for those of you who haven't been through a tough time like that, we just a lot to be grateful for, huh? You know, if you might think, well, God saved me, and I know I have a friend that hadn't been through a lot of challenges growing up, and she said, but God saved me from those. But then He allows us, you know, for others like me and for Heather to go through these because we have a story to tell. We can tell about a before and after. And your after came, uh, even after you got married, so, who did you marry? I married my boss. <laughs> and he is, a little, he is a little older than me, only a couple of years, though, so that broke that chain. Was that, uh, was that like on a, one of your job assignments one day? Did he, did he just put something on your desk and say, hey, <laughs> you know, like, uh, oh, you have a new, uh, you know. Well, actually, the funny thing is, he interviewed me for the job, and uh, there were no sparks that flew at that point. It was just, he seemed like a very good guy, good boss, uh, definitely um, kind and seemed like a good person. Mm-hmm. And I got the job, and and it was very quickly into that uh, into me working in his department that uh, we developed a, an intellectual relationship initially, and uh, then quickly realized that we had a deep connection. Mm, that's great. And, yeah. And so, and you know, there's something kind of unique about him that was unique to your life, and that he was a. Christian. A Christian. Wow. And then, but your walk, you know, you really hadn't uh, made a decision to seat the Lord on the throne of your heart, even after you said, I do. Is that right? Oh, no. It took many years, actually. It took about uh, eight or nine years after we were married for me, actually, to become a believer. But, um, and the Lord really used my husband because um, after many years of uh, being in the workplace and being very successful, I ended up being a uh, career climber, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. I moved up very quickly in my work. I became a director of a, depart- a training department. And had a lot of responsibility. And um, on the outside, my life looked really good. I had it all. Great husband, great kids, great house, great job. Everything that you could imagine that you want. However, inside, I felt very bleak, depressed, dark. Um, I was very sad and had a lot of despair in my heart. And, and I just covered about, that up, you know. Right. You were talking about running. And you, you said that you couldn't outrun your past. I couldn't outrun my past. It mm-hmm. just was always there. I lived in the past, Carol. I mean, my thoughts were always about the past. I just lived there. Literally yes. lived there in my mind. And so, um, you know, my husband, he was a Christian, but he didn't insist that we went to church. He definitely had the values, but, you know, he wasn't really living it out in terms of, of being bringing his family to church. But one day, um, I mean, my husband used to find me in bed at night, not every night, but many nights, um, in, in the fetal position on our bed after the kids had gone to sleep, crying. And he would ask me, what's wrong? And I would say, I don't know. I was just depressed. You, you know? didn't have that closure. No. There was, you were still the memories were um, just taking over those memories, those images in your mind. You were thinking in color of all of your past and the difficulties. And all the what ifs. And all the what ifs. Mm-hmm. And so they, they hadn't been resolved. That's right. What was the day that well, was I, the beginning of that 
resolution to the past. Yes, that, that, that morning that changed my life really was when I got up to make coffee and uh, there was a gift on the counter and it wasn't my birthday or anything. The gift was for my husband. I opened it up and it was a Joyce Meyer Amplified Bible. <laughs> and uh, in the inside he wrote, um, I hope you find the light you're looking for in these pages. And the Holy Spirit just really used my husband mightily to change my life. Carol, I started reading that book, that Bible, all by myself, and from page one, and I just fell in love with Jesus in the pages of the Bible. And then you were just... Um motivated then, you had a whole different perspective, and then you were involved with Celebrate Recovery as a leader, and, um, you know, your kids were baptized, and, mm -hmm. and it was just that renewal in your marriage, a whole new beginning for you, and then you all, you lost your job, too, right? Yes. But that was okay? That was okay. I had that peace that passes understanding. I mean, that's real. You know, I had that peace that it defied my circumstances. And the incredible thing, too, was that you didn't even have a thought or an urge. Yeah, I wanted to make sure we got that in. I mean, deliverance, Carol, 100%. Jesus delivered me. And what I believe is that His love rushed into that empty vacancy in my heart. His love rushed in and filled it and pushed all that junk of that eating disorder out. And I have not had in six years now one thought, one episode, nothing of my eating disorder. I'm done. Right, it's a just, thing of the past. <laughs> right, and just just sharing it, it would kind of remind you that that was your past, but you're just sharing it for our benefit. Otherwise, you don't have to think about it. It's gone. Exactly, it's gone. Amen. Well, let's talk about some of those wonderful verses you just picked out. We're going to talk about just a couple of them. There's First Samuel sixteen seven, and uh, do you have that in front of you? Yes, or? I do. Okay, why don't you go ahead and share that with us? Yes, First Samuel sixteen seven says, "The Lord does not look at the things people look at." People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that's so beautiful to me, Carol, because God knows our heart. And it doesn't matter what our external circumstances are or what we look like or anything that's on the outside. God knows and values our heart, and He creates in us a new heart. And that's what I have as a new heart in Christ. That muscle that's beating in our chest, the center that all the blood flow is through. You know, Scripture, uh, words from the Bible, they so much talk about the heart because it's their our emotional center. I yes. think it's just the heartbeat, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's emotional. When we get excited, it beats fast. Mm. And, and when we're sad or depressed, you know, it's a slow beat. So it really is the heart, and that's why uh, I guess we can relate to that so much. It's the center of our emotions and our feelings. And let's also talk about another of your favorite scriptures, which is Ezekiel 34.16. Can you share that with us too? I will look for those that are lost, bring back those that wander off, bandage those that are hurt, and heal those that are sick. Amen. I've lived, th this is my, I mean, this is, I've lived this. I am living this. Um, I've experienced this. Uh, the Lord has, I mean, He was always pursuing me, Carol. He was always pursuing me. As I look back on my life now, I can see His hand through it all. And I can see how, he, how He's redeemed it all and used it all. And, um, and, and so much of it is about forgiveness and how the Lord taught me to forgive and how He forgave me. And that enabled me to forgive myself. And you know, redeemed is because He paid the price. He redeemed us. He saved us. How Amen. incredible. Amen. He pursues us relentlessly. And I know you're so grateful for so many things, but you made a statement to me a little earlier that you said, Jesus loves, Jesus heals. Yes, Jesus saves. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. He saves. Amen. And He saves, and He continues saving every day. It's not a one-time event. I mean, there is a one-time event of receiving Christ, but He continues saving us every day, redeeming us and restoring us every single day. And so, because of all of the truth that you've embraced and you know these truths, you just can't be quiet about it. You want to share it. You're taking that uh, Great Commission seriously. And so, God has just opened a door for you to speak for women's groups and and share the truth. That's it. He's a transforming God. And I get to share that weekly. It's a ministry that gives people hope that no matter where you've been, there's hope in Christ. How many of you out there listening kind of feel like, well, you know, I can relate to the worm side of that. Uh, I want to be the butterfly. I want to be that beautiful image uh, that uh, Jesus tells me I can be when, uh, you know, when I come to know Him because we empty ourselves with us and we're filled with His presence. And I know that Heather has the opportunity on her television show to just share, uh, have, have guests, incredible guests that are sharing their stories of their butterfly experience from that uh, ugly, maybe ugly past, that difficult past, and all that God has done for them. And that's what we've experienced. That's why we're here today as Bible chicks sharing our hearts, sharing our love for the Lord. And it's just been such a blessing to have you. Can you just um, give a quick word for our listeners and and from your heart to them, let them know uh, what a difference Jesus has made in your life? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what um, pain you've struggled through or the circumstances that you found yourself in, but I do know I've been there too. I've experienced um, that, that darkness where you just feel like there's no hope, but I want you to know there is hope in Jesus Christ. He loves you. He made you. He sees you right where you are, and He has a plan for your life. And it's not about the religion. It's about the relationship with Him that will change you forever, and you will not regret it. Let Him into your life and um, embrace His love. Thank you so much, Heather Murdoch. It's been a great blessing to have you on our show today. I know our listeners have learned a lot, and I just hope it make a difference in your life. Find out more about BibleChicks.com. You can hear this show archived. Uh, come back and listen again. It'll be well worth it. And remember that in Him we live, move, and have our being. God bless you. Reading, believing, living is Word. Praying, never receiving all the truth that we've heard.